Good morning. Good morning. Does that mean it's working? People hear me? You can hear me, Steve. Do I have to shout? Shout! <laughs> this seems very silly. Yes. I'm sitting by my wife. Just wife, sit up here. He wants us to move closer. Come on, this is. It's all right. There's a. I won't ask anyone to sit in the spit row. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It just still seems silly. We should put us in one of those little rooms and let the kids have this room to run around in. <laughs> Well, good morning and welcome to Mark 4. And we're finishing up the chapter. I will note one thing up front. Mark is how big of the Gospels? He is the, yes, that is the smallest of the Gospels. Yet this account of the waves, he is, he gives the largest account. He is seven verses. The next closest is only six. It's very interesting that the others treated this so briefly, but Mark didn't. And the reason may be, I'm speculating here, which is not allowed, but since he got his account likely from Peter, I would say Peter was the most afraid in this account. He was, after all, the leader, so he probably felt more responsible than the rest of them. And we will just assume that he was the one talking in here, just to make ourselves feel good about it. So, would someone care to read this account? We'll start off by reading it. The, if you want to open your Bibles to... Matthew 8 and Luke 8, you can read along with the parallel accounts. But again, this is the, the Lord, the biggest account of this event. Any takers? Okay. The whole, the 35 to the 41? Yes. Did you... Were you volunteering, sir? I'm volunteering to read? Yes. Oh, okay, the whole thing, right? Yeah, it's okay. seven whole verses. I will. Okay. And it's in another language, so this will be interesting. And the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on the pillow, and they awake him and saith and say unto him, Master, Carest thou not that we perish? 
And he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey? Thank you. Very, very well done. So, you have this brief account here, which took longer than it took to read, I assure you. But uh, before we start looking at it, what has preceded this event? Parables, that is correct. Jesus teaching by the sea. Yep, he, he was, we have a long section of parables just preceding this. And these were some of Jesus' words. What's a parable again, quickly? The story goes alongside a spiritual teaching, spiritual truth. Yep, it's a story about something they would have they would have been familiar with, an account, and but it has a spiritual truth. So along with the parables, um, Jesus also performed miracles prior to this. Quite a few miracles, in fact. Uh, so these miracles, the purpose of the miracles was specifically to show that Jesus had authority. Jesus' words authentic, or his works authenticated his words. And this demonstrates his authority. Right? If you say something and you can't produce, it's like so much hot air. And I have to wonder why people are so quick to follow prophets in these days when we don't see them healing the sick, uh, raising the dead, calming the sea. It's pretty interesting. We, we are pretty easy, easily swayed without, without proof. But Jesus spent a lot of time demonstrating this. So his authority was over, uh, he demonstrates prior to this, he demonstrates his authority over uh, demons. Back in chapter 1 and verse 25, he demonstrates it over a fever uh, when he healed Peter's mother-in-law from a fever when he, and, and all he did was touch her hand and it was gone. There wasn't any other demonstrations. We see he healed a lot of diseases, different, various diseases um, during, the, during the day, back in, still back in uh, chapter, 30, uh, chapter 1. He, of course, heals a paralytic that got left down 
through the roof right in front of him and he never touched the guy. He just said, get up. And the guy got up. He healed a man's damaged hand. And I lost my place here. Yeah, my mis- I got my stuff all mixed up here. He healed a damaged hand. Again, without touching the guy, he just said, stick your hand out. And it was instantly healed. Just serious demonstration. Let's see if I can get back up to my punchline here. Okay, so the other big thing that he did was he declared his authority over the Sabbath. What were his words exactly? So then, the Son of Man is what? Lord. Lord over the Sabbath. And of course, he also came, as we know, to forgive sins. And that's what he told the paralytic. Uh, Your sins are forgiven. He took that on himself, telling the man that his sins were forgiven, and then he demonstrated his authority with healing him. So what is the, through all of this, what is Jesus' message? Why did he come? What was his opening statement? Back in chapter 1, That's right. The kingdom of God is at hand. And therefore, you are to repent and believe this good news. So when we look at these first four chapters, a lot has already happened. Trying to emphasize here that a lot has already happened. Jesus has demonstrated not only to the multitudes, but specifically to his disciples. Uh, disciples, those who were following him, and to his chosen ones. So it's pretty interesting, this account I think Mark has put in here, to show that this is kind of a culmination point. So, let's see, let's go back here to the beginning. Let me see where I am now. Sorry, this technology is really cool. I don't know if it helps you, but it helped me trying to make it work to learn the lesson myself. Teaching is always the best method to learn. Unless you mess up, then it's all or not. Okay. So let's go through these verses. And if anybody wants to have Matthew or Luke open, you can maybe add in some notes. But again, this is the longest one with details, a couple of details that aren't in the others. So let's just start at, again, verse 35. And let's talk about it. On that day, which was the day? We already said 
No, this wasn't a Sabbath one that we know. This was a day when he was teaching by the sea and he had that list of parables. That we'd, he was out on the boat, teaching from the boat. He, he was, was teaching from the boat, from yeah. But, you know, if you were here last week, we had the list of parables. The mustard seed, um, what were the other ones? The sowing. Lamp under a basket. Yeah, he commented on those things, yes. And he wasn't speaking any, wasn't teaching them anything without using a parable at this time. So yeah, because of the crowd, they were at the shore of Galilee, and he got in the boat to make himself more audible to the, to the herd out there. So he said, so who said to them, who chose to leave? Jesus. That's right. Jesus is the one that said, let's go to the other side. Does anybody know what the other side was that they were headed for? Gerasenes. Yep, this is where the guy he met meets who's been living in the tombs out there, a crazy guy, full of demons. But guess what? Jesus has authority over demons. So the other side was the Gerasenes, and so that was going to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, which is sort of Israel, but sort of isn't Israel. And right in that area, there was a lot of non-Jewish activity going on. So, any idea why he wanted to leave? Well, Israel wasn't being really receptive. That's why he was speaking to them in, in parables. They ascribed to him the, the power of Satan. So, he's going over to the more predominantly Gentile area. Yep, going more to the Gentile area. Plus, it was evening, he was tired. He'd been talking all day. Uh, one of the other, I think Matthew says that as he, they were getting ready to leave, uh, a couple of guys came and asked him questions, difficult questions, and he gave them difficult answers. We'll look at difficult answers another time. But uh, he, he both, yeah, both of them sounded like they wanted to believe, but they weren't willing to pay the price. So they, they lifted anchor and left. And the other curious thing is that there were other people in boats around them. And it's a mystery to me what happened to those other boats. Because as far as I could tell, that's never recorded anywhere. And what does it mean they took him along just as he was? I mean, he said, let's go, and they were taking him. Maybe exhausted? Well, I think we have a clue there. Yes, indeed. Uh, that just means they didn't have any other preparations. They didn't go get a dinner on board. They just 
he stopped talking. He said, let's go. They weighed anchor and off they went. And other boats were with him. Uh, anybody have any information about that? People that know more than I do? It's very curious to me that there were other boats with him. Whoops, wrong button. It may just be an indication of the, the number of disciples that he had with him, beyond just the 12. The boat that he was on could typically hold about 12 people, and that'd be about the, the max. Yes. And so if he had more than 12 disciples, which we know he did, then they would need more than one boat. Yeah, and they were, yeah, so people were tagging along. Okay, here's the point. There arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat. So our storms, quick storms, are common in Galilee. I was to look up the depth of the Sea of Galilee and I missed that. But when you study the physics of waves and wind, there's a massive interaction between those. And the more shallow the lake, the quicker the wind affects it. So our lake out here is a nasty, nasty lake. And people drowned in it, even though some places it's only six feet deep. And because as soon as a wind picks up, it moves the water right away. And so it could go from plain ordinary wind, waves, none, to really stormy and choppy. And yeah, it's amazing how many people have died in that lake. The, the deepest part's 30 feet, but most of it you could practically wade across. That's why the Bering Sea gets 60 and 70, 80 foot road waves going through it. It's not that deep. The Sea of Galilee is 80 feet at the deepest. So it's, it's a relatively shallow, not like Crater Lake. Anybody? I'm, I'm into lakes. Sorry. I'm, um, into geography, so forgive me. Crater Lake is two, over 2,000 feet deep, which is really crazy. <laughs> but not as deep as the Atlantic Ocean. So anyway, the, the uh, Galilee is susceptible to wind, and because it's not really deep, it's also susceptible to quick wave action. There's also the thought uh, it's, it's um, well, in fact, let's, let's look at, um, I got this, I've got myself ahead here. Let's look at Psalm 106. Somebody want to grab that, please? Actually, maybe 107. No, never mind. That's not the right one. Let's go to 107. Forgive me. 120. Do, 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 do. Okay. 
this is a long, long section, 23 to 32. Thank you. Yep. Man with a good voice. <laughs> Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens, they went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man, and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still, so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. So how interesting. Psalm 107 here is suggesting that maybe God brought this storm on the Sea of Galilee. Do you have any thoughts on that? Certainly, Peter and his and the other fishermen part of this uh, disciples would have been very familiar with that. This is something they would have experienced, but this one was extreme. They probably had never had this much of a um, rough waves where the boat was filling up because. They were scared. Jesus was asleep. The boat was filling up. What would we do? That's, oh yeah. So why would Jesus be asleep in the boat? In a storm? He's tired. He wasn't very worried. Yeah. Yeah. He was tired. He needed the rest. But he was calm. To be able to sleep indicates that he himself was at peace. Do you know a verse that would talk about that again in Psalm? A Psalm. He trusted in God because he would give his angels charge concerning him to keep him in all of his ways. So Jesus was resting in the care of his father. And that's something we could learn a little bit about. But the, but the disciples, fortunately it says they, they woke him and said to him, so they were all equally worried. I won't blame Peter here, um, but they all said, do you not care that we are perishing? Interesting, eh? Don't you care about us? Well, it does. I can tell you from experience that I get annoyed when there's 
stress going on and everyone around or other people around are oblivious to it. <laughs> yes, I can remember, yeah, because I apparently I take stress on easier than other people, but when you're responsible, then you feel it more. If you're not responsible, then you blame the people who are responsible. And so that's, you know, they were definitely stressed and they did the right thing, didn't they? They went to the right source. That's what made me think maybe, maybe Peter's, maybe that came through to Mark from Peter. That, but yes, absolutely, we are all capable of that, of biting the hand that feeds us. That's why I like Peter, because he's... One of us. Any other thoughts about this moment? I mean, if you've never been in a boat on deep water in hostile situation, it's hard to empathize with this. But I did go on a 14-foot boat out into the Pacific Ocean, out, you know, we had to, we were, we're going out on a river, which was very smooth, and we motored out through there, and there were breakers coming in off of each side of the, the mouth of the river, but there was a spot in the middle where, where they, it was just wavy. They weren't breakers. And we went out through there. And we were out there, you know, trying to, pretending to be fishermen. And, and a 14-foot you know, boat is really little. And when waves are five, and, or the swells are five or six feet, you know, you're, you're in a canyon and then you're on top of the... And, you know, it's, it takes a certain amount of the stupidity to be out there. <laughs> but, it, it was, you know, there wasn't a storm and we weren't far off land. We could have easily have swum to shore. But uh, being out at night in an extreme storm and the boat filling up, you can't possibly bail. It doesn't say anything about them trying to bail, but there's no way you could in a situation like that. So going back to the question, did God bring this storm or did, was there evil forces involved here? Pardon? Well, but is that everyone? We know one for sure that he was in charge of. That was several quite a few hundred years before. Who are you thinking of? Jonah. Yeah, Jonah. Sounded just like Jonah. There in Psalm, wasn't it? 
all those psalms was uh, written before that. Interesting. But isn't Satan the god of this world? Isn't he the prince of the power of the air? Some people misinterpret that. But the point is not who was in charge, but what happened. So Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind. Anybody ever try doing that? There was a time I would have liked to have been able to do that. I was flying down from Alaska and trucks were passing me. I wanted to rebuke the wind. It was pretty, pretty strong. But he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. So the hush is to the wind and the be still is to the water because the wind died down and it became, and the sea became perfectly calm. I guess I didn't do enough to get you into the feeling of being out there in the dark. I should have turned the lights out and had some sound effects. Yes? Well, he created the wind in the sea so he could rebuke the wind in the sea and he did it instantly and they obeyed. It's a lesson for us too, isn't it? A lesson for us. We can apply that to ourselves. He created us. When he talks to us, we should obey instantly. But it's interesting he got it. Used the word rebuked. I think that it says hush. Because if I was to rebuke something, I would not say hush. (laughs) 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 It just has this calmness about it. Yes. Well... You know, when you have power, authority, then you don't have to be aggressive and loud. The reason we get loud is because we need to exhibit all the strength we can muster. And loud is one thing that some people can, I can't muster much loudness, but some people are good at that. But Jesus could be quietly. Isn't that amazing? Any other thoughts here? You were talking about the size of your boat that you went out on. The size of the boat they went out on probably would have been 30 by 8 by 5 feet. And somebody calculated that you get a dozen people in a boat that size, which again is about all it can fit, and it would only be 12 to 18 inches above the water, which is fine on a normal day, but when you're going through this kind of storm, you want a little bit more cushion between the side of your boat and the water than 12 to 18 inches. Well, yeah, that I don't know that I would go out in a boat in the night. But if you were Jesus? Pardon? If you were Jesus, it's a well, different story. Well, yes, he didn't even need the boat. Yeah. 
<laughs> as he later demonstrates. But, um, you know, we get so used to things in our lives. The fishermen, they've been doing that their entire lives. I don't know how Matthew felt about it and some of the other guys that weren't used to being in a boat, but um, certainly they, they didn't hesitate. Jesus said, let's cross the lake. And um, there was no hesitation. That's what you did. That's what, they, what you do. But yeah, that does sound really, really small. 30-foot boats. Pretty big boat, though, yes, in my experience. Yes, sir. A man's goings is of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own ways? And so the first question, I, you know, if I was in that situation, the first question I had to ask was, oh, hey, it's dark. What are we doing going across the Sea of Galilee at night? But then it's kind of symbolic in that in our lives we don't know what the future holds, but God does. And sometimes even though our lives appear to be darkness, it really isn't. Because God is directing our lives. Because a man's goings is of the Lord. How can a man understand his own way? So if we, we try and figure things out, we're not going to figure it out. But God will figure it out for us. He has already figured it out for us. Well, it's good they obeyed. But again, to, to some of them, that was ordinary. And we do ordinary things all of our lives. Yes, sir. So we, we admit that God has everything figured out for us, for our future, and that we can't see very far. But at what point do, do we let our natural body kick in and save ourselves? Okay, I mean, I, I know this argument of God has it figured out, just sit back and go to sleep with Him. So, uh, but then, if you do that, a lot of times we'll die. I mean, it, it's, you know, it'll... Um, so, looking at the disciples here, what were they supposed to do? Should have they laid down with Jesus and slept? I mean, every, the natural man would have stood up and said, Hey, Jesus, you are the God of the universe. What are we going to do here? Okay, well, first of all, yes... Steve. <laughs> this scripture just popped in my head. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not under your own understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him that he shall direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. So we trust in God. This is what this whole thing is all about. That's what, what Jesus was doing with, with his disciples in the boat. You know, they got to learn to trust in, in Jesus. And so we, that's what we have to do. Even though life appears to be dark, we don't know what's going on, what the future has to hold. Hey, we're going to praise God, we're going to thank God, we're going to bless God, and we're going to trust God. And because and, he's the one that's leading us. We're not leading ourselves, that's for sure. Yes? In answer to Logan's question, you know, Peter was a fisherman. This wasn't like he'd never been on storms before. Doing his normal thing, and he's at the end of what he can do. I would, I would say that if you're doing.
something. Everything is out of our hands. If you want to get right down to it. You know, if, if God wants us dead, we're going to die right on the spot right now. If God wants to preserve us, he's, he's going to preserve us. But we need to be faithful and obedient to the Lord and be asking for his help because everything's out of our control, technically. doesn't mean that we don't try or that we don't do what is right. I mean, you know, Lord, Lord, provide for me. Well, if you don't get up off your butt in the morning and go to work and earn a living, right? We still obey. We God's still obey. God's tells us to yeah. provide. We still obey. Yeah. They, they were told, go across the ocean or a lake, and they went across the lake. Yeah. And they reached, I'm guessing they reached the end of their survival or. skills on the lake. Yep. Yes. Now we have these two big themes in scripture, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. We have a tendency to hold them in tension against one another and think, okay, well, if we're going to trust fully in the sovereignty of God and realize that he is in control, that means that I have to completely let go and not be responsible at all. I think that's a misunderstanding. We don't abdicate our responsibility um, just because we realize that God is the one who's in control. God still uses means to accomplish the ends that he has called and ordained. And he uses us as part of those means. He says several times throughout, especially First uh, and Second Thessalonians, that if man does not work, he shall not eat. Um, we have to be willing to do the things that he's called us to do while realizing that he is the one who's given us the, the power and the strength to accomplish those things. So they're not two uh, thoughts or ideas that are intention, but they're complementary to each other. Yeah, but it's not a seesaw. It's one boat going across the lake. Yes, I go back to Genesis 1 and 2. God created man and gave him to work. We have a job to do here. As Lee would say, we're here to rule the world and make babies. <laughs> so we're, yes, it worked. Again, that's the perfect way to say it. You know, these are not intention. These are not opposites. It's the way it works. We work, and he is in control. We do everything that we can to, with the strength and the skill that he has given us. We are not... Well, we all know that if you sit around, you don't have a happy life, you don't... Yeah, you're useless. So God made this world before sin to be a place for man to work. And it's in us. It's absolutely in us. So we work under his sovereignty is what we do. So 
Okay, so here's the point. So I put the underline there because I wanted to remind us of what had happened to those with those guys with Jesus up to this point. This is still early in Jesus's ministry here. These guys are still learning who he is. The amount of demonstrations that they have witnessed already is a lot. But even you young people here have probably seen a lot of God's hand in your life already. And so you probably shouldn't any need to doubt or fear. And certainly us old geezers have seen a whole lot of things um, and we have no cause to worry or to fear. But apparently there's still something inside us that makes us afraid and we still come to moments where we are a little short on faith. Eh? Does anybody have any comments about that? Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you still have no faith? But faith also implies trust. So you can say, do you still have no trust? It, it, it's faith and trust is just intermingled together. And so... This is like a real good lesson for me. It's like, this is what I'm really picking up. And, and uh, it's like, why are you, Steve, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no trust in God? Well, yeah, I got trust in God. Okay, let's demonstrate it. All right, let's have faith. Let's believe. Praise God, thank God. Bless God's holy name and trust God. And this is what it's all about. This is a great message for, for all of us. Because when life appears to be dark, you, you don't have faith? Trust God in all your ways. And always acknowledge Him. He should direct your path. Well, we do have faith. We just don't have enough at the right time sometimes. Yes, that is the point. But then this is the interesting point to me. This was an eye-opener for them. With all the miracles that Jesus had done up till now, this was this really, in our horrible expression, it blew their minds. This was over and above anything that they'd seen before. Why do you suppose that they felt that way? Right. And they're just going to keep getting uh, bigger and better and more concentrated. And they're like, I mean, even in the next chapter, we look and see this guy who just like straight up has a thousand demons in him. And Jesus is just going to like tell him to get out of there like it's nothing. Um, 
even though nobody could find him, and even working all the way up to his death, I mean, we see that they're still struggling a lot with fears despite, I mean, yes, the, the, the situations are getting more and more dire and more and more scary and hopeless, um, but that basically the, the idea might be the, the faith in this situation here, you've seen me do this, in these other situations, I think you can trust me in these. Well, yeah, and just like Sam said, it was a different kind of miracle, right? Well, in what way? Okay, so he heals the guy that's on the pallet, right? And, okay, they see that. Dude is paralytic or whatever, laying on the pallet, cannot walk, and hasn't walked for years, probably. Um, and then they see there's a difference, though, between seeing one guy healed, and you've got wind and waves, and you're being thrown inside this small boat on this map, on massive scale, right? But it's actually, you stop and think about it, this isn't the greatest miracle that he's performed. Because right, it isn't. He went, and when he healed the guy that was on the, the pallet, he healed his body, but then he said, which is greater, to heal the body or to say that your sins are forgiven? Right? I mean, and just remove it. So... This is more personal because they're the ones that are doing it. That's, the, that's what I was getting at. This is the first time it was their problem. Yeah, exactly. All the others were out there. It's far more personal when it's personal. Yeah. <laughs> it's far more effective lesson. This was their next now. And it was in their, and their well, at least on the fishermen's, it was in their element. This is... For somebody like me who has done the same thing for 50 years, I feel like I'm in my element. And yet, every day, there's a new factor. And you just have to go back again. But being afraid is getting too far. But they were learning. They were learning. This was the first miracle he did for to them, on them, that they... This was a good setup, I would say. He was a good teacher. I'm not so good. But why is it that you are afraid? Well, we have to ask ourselves that same question. That's what we take home today, as you said. What can any of us know? What can any of us appreciate about who Jesus is until the Spirit of God opens our eyes. And these guys have a couple more years to go of this. And they still were weak and fearful, hiding until the Spirit of God entered them. So we need to be really, really, really thankful that God has opened our eyes because only then will we know who he is.
Any other comments? That's true, but when you are in... But? <laughs> he has opened our eyes, but we're still going to be freaked out when the earth is moving under our feet. The very planet, the, the hard thing we know in life. Like, yeah, we were in Costa Rica when that big one went through. <clears throat> Seven or... 7.5, and the, the whole earth is just, waves are coming at you in, in your earth. And you're like, yeah, it's amazing. It's freaky, it's so scary. You try to run, and I mean, you just stumble around. You know, you hear the trees, the leaves just shaking. You hear the, the buildings around you creaking. And you're afraid. We're still gonna be afraid. Well, us as humans, we're still gonna be afraid we do have a higher hope that will get us through that. But, uh, um, yeah, I sympathize with them here. I would have been afraid to. I'm human. Um, and it, it, it's kind of, you know, you should look around you at the world, at mass killings, at trade centers falling, at, you know, uh, Hitler, what he did. And it's very... It's sin, but it's something about when we are being fired at, we are being refined, and we see God in a new light that maybe we've never seen Him before, and we stand in awe, and we're like, I'm seeing a different side of Him that I've never seen, and it is awe-inspiring. Um, I mean, the difference between us, the saved, through these times, and, the, and the, the, the sinner that feels like he is hopeless and has no help coming to him. That's the difference. But it, it kind of, it brings people to Christ when they actually see the awesomeness of God and feel it. Yeah, the storm had them afraid. But it was after Jesus had calmed the storm that they became very much afraid. <laughs> Everything was calm. And then they're even more freaked out because it's calm. Because they would realize and recognize the power of Jesus. Or this is this is the man. This is would the be right creator who has power over them. That's that's crazy to me. That that's what caused the the real fear is when things got calm and quiet and Jesus stepped in. He yeah, showed yeah. his power and authority. I was thinking not only was this miracle different, like in personal stuff but also like in the fact that it was him having control over nature in front of them yeah. and that was like the biggest display of that that we've seen I think right that we know of and so like before it's like you know he's helping humans which is cool but like this is the first time they've watched him hush the sea hush the water hush the wind like wait what like I don't know if they had seen that yet maybe they had but Our natural world just, yeah. 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 So, well it's big certainly the Certainly the size of it is, is impressive because the, just the physics of making the water stop moving on a whole lake, I mean, this is, this is big. And yes, you better be fearful. Um, I mean, even, even spirit-filled men like John, when he's 95 years old and he sees Jesus in his glory, what's he doing? Yeah, he's terrified. He falls on his face. And we would. So, yeah, it's, it's a good fear. 
It is really a very healthy fear because we understand the difference between this little squiggly worm and infinite almighty power. Yes, Steve. Yes? This just hit me. When the stormy seas of life seem to want to overcome us in this dark and dreary world on the sea, on our personal sea of Galilee, <coughs> let's trust God. Thank you. I should have asked you to pray that. We, anyone else have anything? Well, let's pray. It's time. I was. I expected this could take the whole period, and it pretty much did. Such a simple little thing, but it, this is so profound, and it really is. So I'm going to leave that up as long as I can. Who is this then? Let's pray. Father, we are small. We are human creation of yours so small compared to you and weak we thank you for giving us your word for giving us your understanding thank you for giving us your spirit and enabling us to understand and live and act in you thank you so much for being in us and being in control of our entire lives of everything that happens, even in control of us when we sin. Thank you so much for your love for us. But thank you so much for your word that we can study today. In Jesus' name, amen.